Society Podcast, episode 13, the podcast that looks at tech under the hood. I'm your host, Owen, and joining me today is your co-host, John. How are you today, John? I am good. I, yep. (laughs) I am am on some (laughs) drugs today, prescription drugs. Oh, so... It's going to get deep. Oh, I don't know. It's going to either get deep or I'm going to fall asleep. But I had oh, the, went to the doctors yesterday and they reset set my elbow and it's quite painful. Oh, man, I feel for you. I was, I was going to say I'll send you some drugs from Amsterdam, but it feels like it would be a yeah, bad idea. I can get those drugs here anyway. <laughs> yeah. How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm very good. It's summer and my parents are here and my friends just moved here, so I can't complain. I saw it's, it's, uh, on your Snapazacheta, your um, Snapazacheta, you're touring your parents around in lovely boats oh, and stuff like that, which I thought were very, very beautiful. Yeah. So the Netherlands has this crazy little place called. Uh, I'm going to butcher the name, so I'm sorry for the Dutch people listening. It's like Gietorn or Gietorn. I don't know. It's like this little. It's the Venice of the Netherlands. It's like this town that has no roads and you just hire a boat for like 10 bucks and you just drive around. It's super cool. Do you need man. a driver's license? I, I, no, it's just these tiny electric boats, like <laughs> at full speed, you couldn't even hurt oh, anybody. Cool. Like this, you can't even get life jackets. That's cool. <laughs> it's very cute. Um, so that's, that's what I've been doing. And I'm, I'm doing a little bit more of that in the weekend. So it's nice. And my dad listens to this. So hi dad. Hi, Owen's dad. <laughs> How is the weather? We have to we have to ask that quintessential question. Oh God, it's like so hot here. It's really really warm. Um, You're killing it's me. Beautiful. It's Dutch beautiful. Weather. It's just been sunny and warm. I've been trying to just chill out a little bit because of this stupid arm stuff, which is very annoying. And so, spent some time sitting in the park yesterday working, and it was really nice. So nice. It's been good. Okay. I'm glad and to I hear also. That. Sat in the park and watched Tim Cook talk on the interwebs. About WWDC? Mm-hmm. It was pretty epic, I think. So, yeah, let's talk about that. Well, Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference, that's what WWDC is, um, was this week. Um, it's basically the Apple bonanza where they announce... I guess it's always software. I don't remember the last time they announced hardware there, but they uh, they go through and they talk about iOS. They talk about OS 10 or OS X. They talk about watch OS and what's the other one? TV OS. That one's like the most boring one. Uh, anyway. <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was pretty crazy. It was basically two hours of back to back. This is what uh, the future of Apple software looks like. I guess like, where should we start? iOS yeah. yeah. So I actually, uh, I didn't realize it was two hours long. I thought it was an hour. It so was I, long. Yes, yeah, so I only scheduled an hour and then I had a call in the second hour. So I Damn, missed. You missed it. I missed right when iMessage started. So I've seen the first oh, half, man. but not the second half. So it I was... will be learning about iMessage and giving real time oohs and ahs. Or maybe I'll do like they do on the pot or on the live stream i'll do applause when i think that they're good features (laughs) so it was really interesting to me this year around because i didn't really know what to expect from from the event Uh, apple's roadmap had kind of dried up in my eyes but what i kind of started seeing is they're really fleshing out some of the ideas that they've had for a long time and that they've really been beaten on um previously so i guess i guess we'll start with iMessage like iMessage is 
basically completely changed. And look, they're playing catch up, but they've added a whole bunch of stuff. So you've got all these kind of things you've probably gotten used to if you use WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger. They've got rich, rich links. So if you paste in a link, it will show descriptions and pictures and stuff, which is nice finally. But they've also added a whole bunch of interactive things. So if you send somebody a message and you want it to be loud you can make it huge or you can make it small or you can make this like crazy full screen effect it's pretty cool but i think when it starts getting really like quite interesting is they've added stickers so you can drag on i'll put the link in the show notes you can drag stickers on to messages to react to them you can send invisible ink messages which i'm sure are going to be used for dick pics (laughs) where you just you can uh it's like kind of blurry when you send it and you swipe away and it kind of reveals the picture it's just like cutesy stuff like that they've added uh handwriting drawing they've added a whole bunch of stuff but i think the most interesting thing is they're basically taking on facebook messenger with a new thing called iMessage apps and this is kind of crazy for apple because they never had this level of openness before but developers can build apps right into iMessage which don't know the content of your iMessages but can do contextual stuff based on what uh that the computing happens on the device so you could order an uber in the iMessage thread or you can play a game together or you can do you can look up restaurants it's there's a whole bunch of stuff that hasn't been possible before that they've kind of um, added. They've even like, it's kind of crazy. Apple built its own GIF keyboard, which I'm kind of in disbelief about. <laughs> I never expected that. And there's a bunch of other stuff as well. So they've they've added emoji enhancements. So it's actually, I thought this was pretty cool. They talked about they, they're doing neural network learning on the text in your messages mm-hmm. on your phone so the data never leaves the phone, which is impressive itself. And so when you open the emoji keyboard, it highlights some of the words automatically and you can tap on them and it will autocorrect those words to emoji. Mm-hmm. It's really, really cool. Like it's it's a total gimmick, but I think it's awesome because half the time you spend your time looking for emoji, the right emoji anyway, right? And a search feature wouldn't exactly solve that. So why not just write out the word and autocorrect it? It's very, very cool. So it's, it's really interesting to see iMessage open up in a big way. I'm pretty excited about that. There's a lot of other stuff. So they've, they've opened up Siri as well for the first time. So developers can build the kind of the same experiences in Siri. So you could say, get me a lift to San Francisco airport and it, w- it will just do it in line rather than having to open the app. And then they've also, there's, I'm going to say also a lot today, I guess. <laughs> this, I mean, there's a shitload of features and we could go through them all, but we're not going to. Um, I think that the most interesting one, and I wrote a post about this on my blog today, is that uh, notifications can be a lot richer now. So if you if you look at the keynote, they have these the the notification style changed completely. You used to be able to swipe down before and kind of reply, but that was it. But now you can like push and hold if you have an iPhone 6s, and it pops open like a contextual view of the app. So you can, for example, iMessage is the only one that you can see right now. But if you push and hold on the iMessage, it actually pops open like a a partial view of the iMessage thread and you can reply with the full like crazy emoji stuff and all that and then just go back to what you were doing without going into the app. And I think that's I think that's going to fundamentally change how people build apps now because you don't have to jump in and out of stuff. You just do it right while you're consuming your Netflix or I don't know, browsing Twitter. It's I think it's amazing. I don't know. I don't know what that will mean you know like maybe you never need to open whatsapp anymore i don't know and so there's a bunch of that as well with widgets and it goes on forever i installed ios 10 by the way um don't do it yet is how stable (laughs) is it 
it's fairly look it's fairly stable um i think maybe i'm a little bit accustomed to beaters already but um it, it like respring's maybe once or twice a day so it's it's not it's not good enough yet and the battery life is awful um but it's i mean i i install them because i i like to see the difference in paradigms that they're, they're kind of doing so this is really interesting to me because they are really like the 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 widgets are built right into the lock screen now as well which is pretty pretty cool they're kind of right in your face so it's kind of apple is suddenly becoming more open about the whole os being able to be extended by apps even um one of the craziest demos was you know you know if you get a call on slack or on whatsapp you have to kind of like unlock your phone and load the app and push accept it's kind of like this horrible experience right now but they've actually um announced a new feature called call kit i think that lets them take over the lock screen just like a the i guess the phone call app would so now if you get a slack call it can like actually just act like an incoming phone call there's a lot of there's just a lot of stuff that really said that apple realized that if they don't open up i think they're losing on their own turf because everybody's going inside apps and they want to be you know facebook messenger they want to be the one app to rule them all yeah i didn't hear you cheer at all (laughs) i'm i think i'm less surprised in that i i've always felt like apple's always wanted to be a platform company and i feel like right. one of the things that even though they're criticized for not doing this well i think it's just that it takes a long time to get to the point of it doing well i think apple has a really nice hardware and software connected kind of ubiquitous ecosystem coming together and from the ways that the hardware is able to kind of talk to itself and, and like, you know, the watch can now unlock the um, Mac OS and, oh man, uh, I'm excited and about that. You, you know, unified clipboard. None of these things are in and of themselves particularly interesting. They're just the, the building out of this kind of, whole thing that we live in this this little ecosystem where our apps are there and our hardware's there and then and it like just works. our communications there and it all just kind of works together yeah and i so, so i guess that's that, that was the other cool thing um, that takes that a long announced. time people hammer on apple for that and that takes a long time yeah. to get together and it's been gradual yeah. like i mean you saw handoff last year and it wasn't that great but then at um so handoff if, for people who don't use Macs and iPhones, handoff is a feature that if you're using the calendar app on your iPhone, you can actually uh, go to your Mac and click the calendar icon and it just carries on in the same context that you were in. Mm-hmm. And it was okay at launch, but they added a bunch of stuff on Monday that changes it quite a lot. So there's a new feature called universal clipboard, which is really cool. So if you copy some text on your Mac, it will be available on your iPhone uh, instantly if you want to so that's I think that's really nice and then what you said about the um, the watch unlocking the Mac I think that's really cool like it knows you're wearing the watch because it's on your wrist and if you take it off it's locked so it works it's a it's a genius way to let you get in without any friction yeah, and then obviously I think, I think you're right when the car comes then I mean I can unlock it with my watch you will unlock it it's not you can you will and you'll unlock it with yeah. your phone and all of your contacts will be on your phone. All your music will be on your car. All of your 
like all your music will be in your car, all your contacts will be in your car, all your contacts be in your laptop. Your if you take a call on your car, it'll be on your call history on your phone. Your mm-hmm. iMessage will be synced to all of your like you know, your your watch will get your car data. Like it's it's there Apple's not gonna rest until they've created a world that we live on top of them. Like that's what they're doing here. And frankly, they've done a relatively good job of of doing it so far. I I'm not scared of Apple. You know, I, I feel like they their heart is in the right place. Like when you look at the founders of a company, I think you get a sense of what that company is. And even though Steve Jobs was a very, you know, intense man and, and drove the business incredibly hard, I I think he's a I, you know, from everyone I know, I think he's a kind per everyone who talks about him. He seems like a kind person. Waz never stops laughing. Like the guy's like, <laughs> you know, Santa Claus chortling along all the time. So I love it. I, like, I think it's, I like it. I love it. I, and I'm not a, it's not about fanboyism. I just think no one else is doing this and they're doing the best job of it. So, you know, keep, keep going. Good job. Like, yeah, and, absolutely. And I think, to, to your point on on this kind of allow this opening up, I guess, as you put it, this allowance of applications into the, you know, I I have said this before and I'll say it again. I don't really think Apple cares too much about the web. And I think that they've always wanted people to develop for their platform. I think that they just haven't had the means to kind of see how that fits into the context of the operating system yet. And now that, if that makes sense, and now that mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. that that's more refined and notifications are more refined and they've had had it in market and watched how we used it and iterated on it a while, the ability to drive the application into the operating system in this kind of integrated seamless manner is is easier and clear and and so uh, right cool it's going to be interesting and you know sucks to be a web developer you should probably go learn Swift. i think it's very interesting times in that regard because they're really offering as you say like that level of integration <laughs> Falcon in a platform Nine just that crashed. You really yeah product yeah. hunt of all things just told me a I got a pop up wow. on my Mac that just said from product time that said Falcon nine just crashed. Oh. Yeah, that was, that was like, I just saw that before. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> well, I'm sure they'll land it next time. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about SpaceX, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good for context. I Falcon actually watched nine. that live and they crashed into the camera. Oh, wow. God. Something hit the camera and it froze. So nobody knew if it landed or not. Anyway. Oh, so this is uh, not in real time. Is this a delay? Nah, it was like 40, 45 minutes ago. Oh. Well, there we go. I'm sorry. Anyway, so yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty interesting. And so on the hardware note, the fact that so the way those rich notifications work, and I'll put the a little gif in the show notes. Oh, by the way, we bought chargepodcast.com. You can go there and it's much easier. Anyway, uh, so you can see I this literally gif in the made notes Owen do it before the show. Like we weren't allowed to record before I did it. So <laughs> they uh, so the way those new rich notifications work is actually uh, on the iPhone 6s. When you get it, before it used to be a swipe down to do it, but if you do a force touch on the the notification, you get the full view. And if you tap on it, it opens the app. And it really sh- shows that they kind of understand that 
before it was very bare bones and now like you use it you know how on your mac if you hold alt you kind of see more information a lot of the time i think it's kind of like that so if you if you're looking at the notification you need some more context from that thread context from that thread you just push in a little bit harder and you see the whole thing but it doesn't break that kind of cognitive flow that you have already you know before you would have to like go to the messages app and you probably forget where you were before but with this you just kind of get a little glimpse and then you go away and so the same goes for widgets so you don't actually need to open an app to get the information you're probably looking for now instead you just force touch on the weather app and the widgets right there and i think that's i think that's a lot more useful and the, the same stuff is coming to watch os uh, that was probably the the thing I was most excited about yesterday is watch OS actually feels like it's useful now. <laughs> oh, I'm so upset because I can't wear my Why, watch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can't? Or you'd have to wear it on your other wrist. I could, but... That's annoying. Yeah, I should just put it on my other wrist. You should. I, I love the watch OS stuff. Like, I upgraded. So is it that much faster then? It's so much faster. It feels like I bought new hardware. I'm not even what? joking. It's still a little bit slow, but apps open. Like, I mean, for me, it's night and day. Other people were like, oh, yeah, but the app still takes like a second to launch. It's crazy. So they actually, it's kind of interesting because they didn't admit to killing a lot of stuff that they killed in watchOS, but they killed a ton of stuff. So at the at the current version watch os 2 if you swipe up from the bottom you get these like glimpse things and they're kind of awful like you just get like the latest tweet and the latest stock price and they take ages to refresh they're gone completely (laughs) Uh, and they didn't even say anything about it instead they're kind of doing this multitasking view where you can just go in and out of apps and that's because they're fast enough to actually do that now you don't need this shitty glimpse view you can just i just click the side button I'm going to try it right now live and see if it works. Uh, I go into the music app and it's open straight away. There's no there's no loading. I go into activity. It's open straight away. It is very, very well done. They've, they've refined it a lot. And I, I love there's like a whole new focus on um, letting you change the watch face really easily and the activity stuff. I'm obsessed with the activity stuff. I, I use the Apple Watch to like learn to run. So it's it's something that... I care about a lot. So I think they've done a good job with that. I mean, it could change a lot before September, but I thought the event was generally really interesting because, you know, so you talked about just before a little bit about privacy and like how you don't feel gross about Apple. And I think that like every year it's kind of a focus, but this year they really emphasize that. So one of the things they talked about in a, on stage was they Apple actually has a neural network API now which is crazy. So they're actually paying attention to this stuff and they were talking about it and everyone's like, oh, that's interesting. Um, but then they said, oh yeah, and all the data processing happens on your phone. So we, we actually run a neural network on your device. We come to conclusions without sending data off. <laughs> and uh, so that's it. And so um, as part of, I think, uh, Apple Photos now, uh, have you seen Google Photos? It's pretty cool. Like if you type in hugs, it comes up. You like it just categorizes all your photos automatically. It's it's really nice, but uh, you haven't seen that. Oh, it's cool. So if I type, I have every photo ever in Google Photos, which is probably a bad idea. But they, if you type dog, it comes up with every dog photo. If you type in beach, it comes up with every beach photo. But that came to iOS now, so it analyzes your photos, but on device, not in the cloud, and lets you search them by what's in it the context if you're at the beach in the bush 
all that kind of thing. So I think it's, yeah, look, I just typed in, I tried to type in bush, but it wouldn't let me, but I typed in bus and it found eight photos from my phone going all the way back to 2012 with buses in them. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. Those kind of things where Apple can do like that level of data crunching on device without using that to sell your information. That is so totally, totally. That's why I kind of like, honestly, I don't super care for Google. Like, I think their business model doesn't like Apple's business model sort of makes sense. Like people remember when the Mac, when Max came out and people were like, oh, my God, this stuff's so expensive. And like, no, it wasn't expensive. It was really high quality, good stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it was expensive, but it was good stuff. Right. Exactly. And and with Apple, it's kind of like you get what you pay for and like they expect you to pay for stuff. I honestly would pay for, you used to pay for OSX, didn't you? Yeah. You used to pay every year. It was like $30 or $50 to get each one. I would, I would pay for OSX still. It's great. I would pay for iOS updates. Well, yeah, I think I would. I don't think most people would, but I'd pay oh, a yeah, couple So of I guess they renamed it Mac OS. Oh huh? yeah. That's the other thing. It's Mac OS now. Nice. I don't, like it but I, i'm gonna always call it osx me too throwing tables i don't even care i mean i think mac os was like it's still very incremental and i think that apple was kind of keeping that moving along but it's not a huge focus and that's fine but series on mac now i mean some people might be into that i don't talk to my devices that much like siri is not super exciting for me but i know a lot of people that swear by using siri to send their texts and to look through photos and all that kind of thing. So, I mean, there must be a huge appeal there for somebody. I don't know. I ask Siri about the weather frequently. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And I ask her, him, it, sorry, it. I ask it. Uh, I ask it to set timers. I ask it to wake me up in the morning. I ask it what time it is in certain countries a lot. Oh, really? I guess yeah. it's, yeah, that makes sense. So this is really cool. I just looked in the photos app. Some people might not be into this, but it automatically creates moments now based on like your photo history and where you've been, little little like stories and videos. It's very cute with with music and everything. And also on device, not in the cloud, scans your photos and lets you search by person, which is really cool. Yeah, Apple's doing it right. Good for them. Yeah, I'm impressed. This is a little buggy actually right now. Uh, like my phone just crashed. But anyway, so that wasn't the only thing. That was like something else happened that day, which was ridiculous as well. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> did, you, did you follow that closely? Are we talking about a certain acquisition? A very, very certain large acquisition. Yeah, well, I, don't know, I had a bunch of journalists reach out to me and ask me some, what I, if I thought that Microsoft was crazy. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, do you think they're crazy? No. Look, so this, well, this journalist who shall not be named said... Hold on, hold on. Tell people what happened first. Okay, so Microsoft bought LinkedIn. For how much? $26 billion, right? Yep. Holy shit. <laughs> so they basically said, well, given what happened with Nokia, Yammer, and Skype... Why do you think that this isn't going to be a shit show? And also, are you kidding me? Holy fuck. 
$26 billion for LinkedIn, question mark, question mark, question mark. I must be crazy, question mark, question mark, question mark. I think they're worth that much. $60 a user. That's a lot of money. No, it's not. Yeah, well, it sounds like a lot, but... No, it's 60 bucks a user. Is that, is, that, is that cheap? Super cheap. Yeah. We're talking like all your connections, who you message with, who knows who, your, your whole work history, all your endorsement, all your jobs, single sign-on that you have with LinkedIn, $60 a user, knowing the size of the influencer network that's on LinkedIn Damn. and like the fact that they have original content content that they produce linkedin pulse uh like are you kidding me 60 bucks is a steal that's interesting i i think that oh, i what a great acquisition absolutely a plus it's so funny because like i mean twitter is a bubble but the, the reactions were like what the fuck like why would they buy it for that much money and uh, uh. but i think of all acquisitions that they could have made it makes the most sense right They've got like this whole identity thing that they can now integrate right into Windows. Mm-hmm. They can they mm-hmm. can integrate LinkedIn across Office. It can be, I mean, it can be in every future Microsoft product ever. I mean, this is their new identity platform, and they know yeah, I mean, all frankly, the shit about Outlook you. Just yeah, Outlook Outlook three hundred and sixty just got the dopest address book of all of time. All time. <laughs> yeah. No, really. Like, I think that makes Office three six five way more useful i mean i'm just blown away by this i think it makes complete sense a lot of a lot of people i mean think it's stupid but i totally disagree they just they also bought a cash like a rev a revenue generating ad network which is amazing they bought this one social network that is basically the social network that caters 100 percent to their demographic which is predominantly business users and enterprise like it's, and literally everybody uh, I, uses this. Anybody who's in a job has a LinkedIn, basically. Even if you don't use LinkedIn because you're like, you don't need LinkedIn to get a job because your like reputation precedes you, you have a LinkedIn to creep other people. And to bre- humble break. Mm, well, I guess. <laughs> if your name, oh, I'm not going to say that <laughs> joke's not very nice. Uh, I love it. So, <clears throat> look, I think I think I think it's a great acquisition. I think that uh, maybe a lot of the reaction is like LinkedIn used to be a horrible, thirsty company, and I, I think they've changed their ways now. But people, I, I guess, people got burned by LinkedIn in the early days. But I mean, <laughs> everybody uses it. I mean, even leave LinkedIn alone. <laughs> leave LinkedIn alone. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the acquisition makes sense. It's hilarious that they dropped the news on Monday morning before WWDC. You know what they need to do, though? What? I'm, I'm sorry if this person, like, listens to... I mean, they need, like, listens to this podcast, oh. but they need to, like, rehire uh, their whole UX UI team. Oh, God. And, like, get bought. they need to, like, acquire some hip, like studio or something yeah. i mean it's just like <laughs> some ad like agency some hip, yeah ad agencies like seriously just be like okay go make linkedin not a massive massive buttons and like it's 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 like they every time they try and make linkedin better they try and keep the same things but just re re architect all the information in a different yeah, manner them back but in. that just means but it just means it's under more buttons and menus somewhere like it's still there it's still the same bullshit that you likely don't need but 
like every every time I like open LinkedIn, I'm like, who the hell uses these buttons? I guess somebody does, but half of the shit on there, I'm like, god damn. I don't like this is like the fourth different way I've seen for the same functionality. I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure it also looks really ugly. Oh, it's hideous. Like it, what is this gray top and all the like and bezels white, and like, stuff? It's all like 3D 1997 and, called and they like their DHTML drop down menus back. So I think the interesting thing about the Microsoft owning them is like maybe LinkedIn premium will become less awful because at the moment their business practices well, are kind of dodgy have you ever used azure azure yeah yeah it's nice it is nice the the cloud it's dashboard really, and all that clean. yeah it's beautiful it, it's like yeah it's pretty one good of the cleanest the most easy to use web interfaces for that kind of thing i think that's out there like you go there and you're like oh i get it and then you go to amazon web services and you're like good god <laughs> So it's kind of quite contrasting, but I think when Microsoft realized that they needed needed to win against Amazon, they they really put a lot of effort into that to make it easy for developers to use. So that's I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with this. I think the first like port of call is going to be LinkedIn everywhere in Office and Windows. You won't be able to get away away from it, and it's going to be awesome. You know, I will say though. I will say this. It is a very performant application. It is very fast. What do they use? PHP? I don't know. No, it's an Ember app, I think. Damn. Well, someone from the Ember community tweeted that uh, now that Microsoft has acquired LinkedIn, both Amazon and Microsoft are major backers of Ember.js. So I presume that it must be an Ember stat. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, the Amber renderer is really good. It's so fast. I'm not. Yeah, it's not. I'm not surprised. I was just. Uh, I was just looking at one other cool thing that came in um, iOS 10. There's a lot of. There's a lot of really like subtle things, but um, you know, before like if you push the home button on your phone with Touch ID, it just like unlocks before you even see your notifications. <laughs> it was very annoying and awesome. But um, now, when you pick up your phone, it wakes up like you don't do anything. That's pretty cool. And then, uh, so swipe to unlock is gone. I don't know if you noticed this in the keynote, but if you swipe left, it actually just goes to widgets and you have to actually push the home button to unlock. And it's like totally breaking my flow, but I think it's more awesome. I don't know. I I like it because all the time I would go past my notifications. I have no idea what just happened. So it's very cool. Anyway. Are you talking about iOS again? Sorry, iOS 10. I'm very excited about this. Wait, so did you put Mac? Can you get Mac OS developer preview yes, on your laptop? I have that on yeah. my laptop. Um, I don't know. Oh, you did say that. Sorry. It's pretty stable. I don't know if it's just because I have a bunch of like weird configurations, but it's a little like un- unperformant sometimes, but uh, like Safari isn't working properly, but I think it's probably because I have a emoji username. Hey, do you think the Delray sim, sim thing? Oh, yeah. Do you think that that's related to the election i don't know so for those listening a crazy thing happened this week i thought two-factor was a holy ground but apparently not so this activist for black lives matter his name's deray he had his phone sim card hijacked just when we all thought two-factor was like a safe 
Haven. He had that on, on everything. He had a SIM card hijacked by somebody who called T-Mobile, I think it was, or one of those phone companies, and pretended to be him and asked them to assign his phone number to a different SIM card. And that is just insane. They actually got away with it, used two-factor to reset all of his accounts, and boom, they had all of his identities, I think while he was asleep, which is horrifying. Not surprised. Well, the phone companies are kind of idiots, right? Oh, he said it's Verizon. Well, uh... They didn't need passcodes. All they did was change the SIM and reset the passwords, and then they used the two-factor to reset everything. Crazy. I wonder if he had a... Like, I have a verbal password on my account that they always ask me for. Right. I don't know what I have. I'm going to check after this. But... I think it's pretty crazy that Mine, somebody can call your phone company goldfish. without... It's Goldfish? Man, you're screwed now. Yeah. <laughs> you need to call them and change that. They, um, It's crazy that you can call a phone company and get a SIM card swapped without anybody asking twice. I would think you would have to go to a store and provide ID for that. It doesn't make any sense to me. No, you're like, oh, I just smashed my cell phone and I went to Apple and got a new one um, and they told me to call you up and provide you with this thing called an I... I am I or number number Oh yeah, because Verizon doesn't... Know. They use... Uh, it's, and then... Yeah. And then the person goes, oh, you mean an I am E? What is it? I am I am And then they go, oh, yeah, I don't know. The guy I have all just said that I was supposed to do this and I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what's going on. And the person's like, okay, calm down, calm down. It's okay. And then they say, what's the number? And then you tell them the number and then they say, okay, we've, what's the number on the SIM card? And you tell them the number on the SIM card. And then they say, what are the last four digits of your social security number? And you tell them the last four digits of your social security number. And then that's it. Now all everything is going to that new phone. I don't know why anyone's surprised about that. Like pretty likely thing to happen. Yeah. If someone actually wants to do that to you, they're going to be able to do it to you. So if you're in some kind of position where you don't want that to happen to you, call your fucking phone company and ask them to set a password on your account. That's not like your social security number. And they'll all do that. Ask them to note your account saying that they have to ask you for your mother's maiden name or something like that. Mm -hmm. They will all do that. But like, sure. Like I would never, like, it's fine to be like, well, I never would have thought that would have happened to me, but you should just presume that basically like you're, able to be compromised at all times and if that's important to you. I got really paranoid about this stuff. I don't know if you remember um, Matt Honan who used to write for Wired got owned by a hacker who just wanted to see if they could get in one day. They broke into his, I think it was his Apple account and they remote wiped his iPhone so he couldn't call the phone company changed all that. Then they remote wiped his Mac and started remote wiping his iPad, his wife's Mac and all that kind of stuff and that made me super nervous because like these hacks aren't even often for a reason right now these people are just attacking you because they found a way in and they just want to cause havoc Mm -hmm. so i definitely encourage anybody to look into how to secure those accounts if you can there's a great buzzfeed thing about it you know jason calacanis the vc i think this is kind of actually funny but he did not think it was funny (laughs) uh last year someone called his number hit pound 
asked for his voicemail oh, password. Man. It was one, two, three, four, put in one, two, three, four. And then they changed his outgoing voicemail message to say, hi, this is XYZ startup. Um, you're a friend of Jason's and we'd really like to pitch him. So can you email him and let him know that XYZ startup is awesome oh my and, God. and he should invest in us or something like that. Wow. He was furious. That's crazy. But that's also kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, I thought it, I thought it was very very kind. I mean, it's a it's a dick move, but damn, that's a that's a sneaky way to get in some <laughs> slide into somebody's DMs. I'm pretty sure that there's another VC that says that if you can break into their home, they'll invest in you. Yeah, but I can't remember who it was. I, I know somebody who broke into um, the TechCrunch guy's home to pitch him, and they got investment. Yep, I'm not going to name names, but. He knows who he is. <laughs> he actually broke in. He climbed in through a window. <laughs> and then what? Just waited for him to get no, home? He woke up. He was in bed. <laughs> they woke him up. Anyway, I can't tell the story. I'll, I'll see if I can get him on the podcast to tell that story. Because uh, it's quite it's quite funny. What's the guy's name that made TechCrunch? Michael Arrington. Yeah, that, that guy. They wanted to be on TechCrunch. They pitched him. Oh, yeah. That was who I was thinking of, too. Michael Arrington. Yeah. They broke into his house. I think he's, pr- I think he's pretty chill with that, isn't he? Well, yeah, they, they thought they were, they were going to get like shot or something, but he ended up like hanging out with him. I think. So. <laughs> that's chill. Yeah, it's quite surprising. But that's that's. It's like a person. The blog glory days, man. I would be pretty annoyed if someone broke into my house. So please, don't break into my yeah, house. Yeah, not, we're not going to put you on the podcast. <laughs> no, we're not. Oh, dear. Um. So last week I didn't talk about this. Mm, but I don't know if you've been following along with the AI thing, you might want to Google this and just like swirl it around in your brain a little bit. Cause it's sort of interesting. Sort uh, of. <laughs> well, there's just like a lot. AI stuff is moving pretty quick right now. And there's a lot of interesting stuff coming yeah. out. A lot of people looking at it. And, uh, the one that I saw the other day that I just thought was kind of fun is that they, I think it was Google in the UK uh, have figured out how to simulate uh, intrinsic and extrinsic motivators in artificial intelligence. So what does that mean? The Well, okay. So I actually reached out to an AI PhD expert friend of mine. I did. Miles. Okay. And I said, all right, so I found this video on YouTube slash this paper uh, that is a D, what's called a DQN agent, which I have absolutely no idea what that is, uh, playing this arcade game in a learning environment the agent's reward function is augmented with an intrinsic reward based on a pursuito count it's self-computed from a sequential density model the intrinsic reward allows the yeah allows the agent to explore a full two-thirds of the first level of the game and achieve significant higher scores than anything that's ever been reported before so he said i said i don't have any idea what that means can you please explain it to me (laughs) i said because i said how can you simulate intrinsic motivators that seems relatively unmodelable because I've, I've always considered things like that to be very human. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, I only actually understood some of it myself. 
So he said an intrinsic motivator is a relatively broad category of things. And that basically it's about not giving someone an ex giving it an explicit reward, um, which is the way I guess it's been modeled previously, which again, I don't really know that I necessarily understand what that means and that they do it based on some kind of counting approach. Anyway, if someone smarter than I in in um, computer science and this stuff wants to email or tweet and e- explain this, it would be good. But I feel like this is an interesting, probably lesser conversed area of artificial intelligence that I'll be curious to watch unfold. Because those things, like those trait type features are that are really heavily uh seated in in humanity i guess less so society i've always figured that those things are like relatively hard to model but maybe not because i think yeah it's interesting i like i think we're getting into that phase where we are starting to see technology emulate some human traits so, so I think we had talked uh, one week about uh, how uh, the White House and NYU and Google and Microsoft are doing this uh, open forum, major public open symposium on the near term impact of AI technologies across social and socioeconomic systems. Well, the tickets uh, became available, so I booked one. Um, they are actually still available. So if you're in New York, uh, I highly recommend checking that out. Let me just confirm that there are still some tickets. You should uh, send me the link yep. and I'll put it on chargepodcast.com. Yeah, I'll even I'll even sit with you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. That was just like a little cool thing. That is very cool. I think we'll be talking a lot more about AI and all this existential kind of things. People seem to like that. <laughs> I'm oh, fascinated. Man. So it's. I think it's. I think it's an interesting time. This like this year in particular it's kind of i at least it started to hit the mainstream now the the conversation a lot more so i think we'll we'll be talking about that probably almost every week <laughs> do you think that uh, britain is going to oh god leave the eu i really hope not i have a british passport and i would not like to leave the netherlands yet i hope not it looks like it's really close and that's what makes me nervous the the votes next week i think i think it has so many broad implications for people especially british expats it's crazy there's like three million british people british expats alone in spain you know like what's going to happen they have to renegotiate visa deals and i i I know it's going to take time but man that sucks yeah i'm a british i grew up in scotland and i said this on twitter but i think one of the things that was really weird about growing up in Scotland, yeah, that's kind of what got me into the internet was BT ran relatively good uh, internet to our village in Scotland really? in like, yeah, in like the early 90s. And so I had internet in like 94, 95, I guess. Wow. I think. Yeah. So anyway, and that was just, and I just like did that all the time because I was in this like rural, 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 like 60 people were in this village. Like it was tiny. And one of the things that I really remember was a huge amount of anti-Euro sentiment in like high school, right? Like people, 
it, it was a very Scottish, like very kind of um, working class farm kids. Like right. almost everyone in my high school uh, was the son or daughter of someone related to the agricultural industry or the supply food supply chain industry. And I really, really remember a lot of nationalism and just like UK pride and, and, a, and a deep looking down, I guess on Europe. And, and I think those people are in their thirties now, right there. I mean, I was in high school with them. So, and they didn't, they don't, they didn't have a particularly good view of Europe. And now we have like, you know, Europe hasn't been particularly stable. So I'm sure that it's really easy for them to say, I told you so back in my day, I was able like right. our parents got this house for 60 quid, like, <laughs> you know, post post war and like whatever. And like, I don't know. I just think, I think it's a shame really like the the EU for all its faults has done some really cool things to unify a lot of countries that have significant differences. And I think the UK of all the members has gotten the good end of the stick so it's just kind of a shame. I don't know. Well, so I bring it up because I was curious as to kind of what the tech scene is like out there. Like, I don't, yeah. I mean, when I was at DigitalOcean, I definitely remember traveling around some incubators in London um, and like some stuff, some major stuff happening in Paris and, and some stuff in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. But like, does it, is there a lot of like camaraderie or, or among European startups? I don't know if it's, I I would say there's camaraderie within countries. I'm not sure if it is within the EU. I think it's getting better. Like you see a lot of, there's a lot of new venture capital coming out of places like Stockholm and all that kind of thing that are investing in startups across the EU. And it is getting better. If you look in Amsterdam, I mean, I'm new here, so I'm still kind of judging it based on 16 to 18 months worth of time here. But if you look at Amsterdam alone, like you've got, you've got Netflix, you've got Spotify, you've got SoundCloud, Twitter, Facebook, Google, Tesla, all, like all of the companies that you would expect have offices here. And you've also got a lot of incubators popping up, a lot of startups. There's a significant amount of Dutch startups making quite a lot of noise at the moment. So yes, but I'm just not sure if there's much like cooperation between countries. I never hear about French startups. So, you know, like I, wow. I would say that maybe that needs to be better. And I think that might be partially down to language barriers and all that kind of thing. But I'm still trying to figure out exactly how that ticks. It's very interesting. Hmm. It will be interesting. Yeah. So the Brexit thing, I'm very nervous, but I think it'll be okay. I'm hoping it'll be okay. <laughs> A lot of people are going to write us about this, aren't they? Well, either we're going to, people are going to be like, we don't care about your opinions on that stuff. Just stick to tech or you can throw that stuff in once in a while. I like that. Well, this podcast is yep. basically to talk about anything we want. So I think someone said that it was like listening to us chat after work, which is basically just what it is. Yeah. We just want to hang out and chat. And so we appreciate you listening to us talking (laughs) smack. Um, Thank you for listening to this. Well, it's a special edition. I was going to say it's a very special edition. It's just, we've recorded on a Wednesday instead of a Thursday. So it's, it's going to be out a lot earlier than normal because of dub dub DC. Oh, I know. One more thing I One wanted to say. Thing. Just throw it in there. Sorry. Um, a, uh, Twitter's investment in um, SoundCloud. Yeah, what the hell? Awesome. 
awesome, but like, didn't they just use like 40% of their liquid cash on that? Remember, remember music.twitter.com that was such a friggin' bust? I, I'm really sad about that still because they bought one of my favorite music discovery services That's and killed it. That's gonna be SoundCloud. You reckon? Yeah, they should buy HypeMem too. Oh my God, please. It would be a match made in heaven. Yep. Dude, I, if HypeMem and SoundCloud and Twitter were music.twitter.com, oh my God. I would pay so much money. No, not so much money. $10. I, would pay, <laughs> I would pay $10 a month. Yeah, that's a lot. And it, and it had to include, no, I wouldn't. I'd pay $20 a month, Damn. but ha- half of that like has to title. be my... Yeah, no, but half of that has to be my SoundCloud Go subscription right, too. Right, yeah, that makes sense. I, I would love that. I think that Twitter moving into music was awesome and it was premature them killing it off, but they weren't ready at the time. They needed a little bit more focus. Did you see if... I didn't actually see this. Do you know if uh, they took a board seat? I don't think they did, but I'll correct that if I'm yeah. wrong in the show notes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think it's really awesome. I think SoundCloud and Twitter are kind of a match made in heaven. I'm not sure Twitter is in like the best position to be distracted right now, but then again, the merge of user bases would be awesome. So I hope this works out. I mean, I'm like, I want hype machine and Twitter right now. I love, I love SoundCloud and I hope again that the music industry, I'll say it time and time again, leaves SoundCloud alone and recognizes (laughs) the fact that so many amazing artists came up on soundcloud and if we kill off soundcloud and make it anything other than amazing i'm gonna be sad but so are a lot of people okay and on that note serious talk on that note we should wrap up but uh good talking to you it was good talking to you if you want to leave comments if you want to talk to us if you want to get the show notes you can go to chargepodcast.com our fancy new domain that costed a whole 11 bucks (laughs) we'd love to hear from you so please write us we do enjoy chatting to you guys thank you for listening thanks for hanging out john i'll see you next week pleasure's mine talk to you later owen